Welcome back to the only radio show produced by a cowboy for anyone on the freaking planet. This is Podcast Cowboy, available at podcastcowboy.com, also through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. My name is Brock Warner, and I'm a member of the Northwest Professional Rodeo Association. My horse Simcoe Summit and I are in the pursuit of happiness and championships. We interview passionate minds and some of the world's best competitors seeking to find an edge. Thanks for tuning in, joining the journey, and making a difference in our world. Hello and welcome back, Podcast Cowboy fans. Today we got another special guest for you today. But before we get into all that, let's think, take a minute to thank our sponsors. Today our sponsors is Amazon.com. Please go through the Podcast Cowboy link today and you will help keep this show supported and free to you to listen to all these great guests. Last guest we had was Shane Proctor, 2011 World Champion Bull Rider. And today we have another special guest. It's a young lady from Nevada who has been, she's been involved with rodeo for a long time. And uh, she has a really special project for getting kids and people who don't necessarily have the resources available to them to get out and rodeo like a lot of us can do. Um, Annabeth. Thank you for coming today on and joining me on Podcast Cowboy. And uh, why don't you uh, share a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, like you said, I'm uh, I'm 16. I'm a senior at Douglas High School. Um, I've been rodeoing for three years now. Um, I started riding horses when I was seven, and we came up with this Dare to Be a Cowboy idea in about April, and we just launched it about two months ago. Mm-hmm. So you started riding when you were seven. What got you into riding horses? Um, well, I was born in Los Angeles, and then we moved up to Colville, California. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there aren't very many things that you can do in Colville. So we, my mom took us to a riding lesson because she rode horses when she was little. And so that kind of is where it evolved was like my first horse lesson. And I started out with horse showing. And it was a little too slow for me. And then I went to the Reno Rodeo and just was really inspired, you know, as inspired as mm-hmm. a six-year-old can be. Were you doing Western or English horse Western. Western. Yeah, definitely Western. My brother kind of got into some jumping stuff. Not really English, but he just liked to jump stuff. So we thought he was going to go the English route too. But we um, just mainly stayed Western, and that's how we are now too. Mm. And so... Going from the Western route, you've evolved, and so what got you interested in to rodeo? What was the main event that really captured you? Definitely the Reno Rodeo. We went one year; it was just our first year going, and I just really liked the environment of it, and I just liked how fast everything was, and you could just see the adrenaline on everybody's faces, and I was pretty much inspired like by their faces and just by how they rode and stuff so Mm -hmm. that's kind of what got me into that and I started with the classic you know the barrel racing and stuff and then started getting into things like roping and goat tying and everything like that 
So what, has it been a challenge for you starting oh. at seven? Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I started rodeo, actual rodeoing when I was 13. And then I started high school rodeo my junior year, which was last year. And so I think starting later than most kids, because like most kids start rodeoing literally when they're four years old. (laughs) And I think starting later was almost really beneficial for me because I feel like I appreciate everything that I get even more. Not that they don't appreciate what they have, but I feel like I've really, really had to work hard just to be at the point that I am today being able to compete with these people. Mm. And so I think starting later was a huge challenge for me. But then again, I think it was really beneficial and just really, truly makes me, I think, a more of a humbler person and just makes me really appreciate the things that I have. Absolutely. Uh, I think back when I got started, I don't remember my first ride at all. Yeah. I I was knee high. I have pictures of it. and Yeah, I don't remember. But uh, it was a part of me, and I I worked hard. I would ride every day uh, once I really got more into it. And I always really felt very comfortable around a horse, um, how was that, how was the transition to learning to be comfortable with your horses? Well, see, at first I was really excited about it. You know, when I was little, I was just really stoked about being on mm-hmm. a horse. You know, they were really big to me, but I just was really excited about the new opportunity. And then I kind of went through a stage for like five years where I was just deathly afraid of them. And which was weird because it's not like anything has ever happened to me, mm-hmm. but I always say like, I feel like you have to have the bad things happen in order to make you more confident on a horse. So it kind of, I was, it was really weird. I went through the stage where I was really afraid that if a horse was stopped, that I was afraid it was going to lay down on me. And everyone was like, that's never going to happen. Like, you don't worry about it. It's never going to happen. And then one day it actually happened. And that's what broke me out of it. Was it actually happening? And it was so weird. And then it was kind of like that bad thing that happened that weaned me out of being so scared. And then I also used to be really scared of a horse rearing up. And then last year, my junior year, I had a horse that really like liked to rear up in the breakaway box. Mm. And um, he did it every rodeo just constantly. And I feel like him doing that made me way more of a confident person. Yeah. I feel like people think bad things happening like that are going to make them more scared. And sometimes it does, but for me, it's definitely made me more confident because I almost kind of feel like I know what to expect and I know what to, how to handle it when it comes again. So, you know, I was I was pretty scared before, but now, like, it's my favorite place to be. Like, I, I love being on the back of a horse. So, mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who listen who are aspiring horse people and want to be in rodeo. Uh, what, what was one thing that you learned with your horse rearing up in the box like that what what was what sort of things did you go through to sort of uh fix that well the thing with high school rodeo is you can't draw out of an event you know if you do then all your points from that weekend that you've ever gotten in the you know with the other events they all just go away oh really so i definitely learned that you really just have to if something bad happens you just have to you know stay really level-minded and you just have to do what you have to do and honestly outside of it I also learned that there are so many helpful people in rodeo. Like there were people, even though they knew that my horse was going to rear up in the box and he was kind of dangerous in there, but they were totally willing to walk me in. And I mm. thought that was amazing. And then I also had people offering 
for me to use their horses mm-hmm. for breakaway. And I thought that was so cool because I feel like you can't really get that in a lot of other sports. There aren't very many helpful people like that. Mm-hmm. And so I learned just from those little instances happening, you know, I definitely learned that rodeo is such a family-oriented sport. And I feel like even if you're not family by blood, if you're competing in rodeo, you're automatically just a part of the family. I guess that that leads into what you're doing today. <laughs> yeah. Dare to be a cowboy is your organization. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, like I said, I started this in April. Um, I kind of just came up with the idea because I had a friend who came over to my house a lot and she really liked goat tying. Like that was her thing. She really liked goat tying. And every time she came over, she came over with a string. She came over with the goat pole and she was like, you know what? I'm ready to practice. And we would literally stay out there until midnight, just practicing, 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 just because she loved to do it. And so I started taking her to, you know, high school rodeo meetings and I took her to a junior rodeo for her to experience all the, you know, the rodeo environment kind of, um, And then we were really geared up for the upcoming high school rodeo year, which would have been our junior year. Mm -hmm. And she gave me a call and said, Hannah, I'm not going to be able to afford it. I am so sorry. Um, And she was devastated, and I was definitely heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And just because, you know, not selfishly, but because she worked so hard every time she came over. And she came Mm -hmm. over almost every day. But she worked so hard and only wanted to be better. Um, and she'd be constantly asking for advice and be constantly looking online for, you know, tips and ways to get better and stuff. And then for something that she was dreaming about getting into to be blocked by something as small, I guess small, but as small as money, I mean, that's heartbreaking. So I don't want other kids to be in that position. And it definitely opened my eyes to see that, you know, not everybody can do this, but there are so many people that want to. And so... I, that's where I came up with Dare to Be a Cowboy, and it's basically an organization to help out kids like that that can't afford to get into rodeo or even if they don't have the resources. Because I know that when I started, it was really hard to find a good coach and find a good horse that's going to help me out, you know, getting started. So just to help out kids like that and really just take that first step in, in the rodeo world, that's pretty much what Dare to Be a Cowboy is about. Mm-hmm. And so, like you talk about the rodeo community being sort of a family and so this is just sort of an offshoot of that family who wants to see other people grow into the sport and make it a you know the the sport is arguably declined but I think it's there's a lot of uh positives still left especially Mm -hmm. with the addition of uh the American Rodeo mm-hmm. down in Dallas, where it, you don't have to travel around to 100 different rodeos throughout the year. You can go and compete at one or, you know, work your way up. But right. the fastest of the fast is going to be the world champion at that. Right. So I, I think little rodeos like that, or not little, but rodeos like that and just ways to get rodeo exposed is really really good because then it gets people wondering and you know even if they're not in it they want to watch it or they want to be a part of it I think that is huge for you know just building that next generation in rodeo Mm -hmm. so what is a what's a good step for the people listening to get involved with your organization to be sponsored or to volunteer well 
let's let's start with uh, being sponsored, and then we'll go into volunteering. Okay, well, with sponsoring, um, we have on our website at www.daretobeacowboy.com, we have two applications. You can either be nominated or you can nominate yourself. Um, the nomination um, for you to be nominated is more for people like teachers or somebody who really sees a kid that they think would be, they, they, they see that they want to do rodeo. Um, and so they would nominate them, and then we'd get that. Or you can nominate yourself, and there's an application to that too, and there's like an essay that you write, you know, what drives you in rodeo or something like that. And then um, we take that application, and we have a Dare to be a Cowboy board. And once a month we go through and we look through all the applications, and we'll get in contact with you, and then we'll see how we can help. Uh, who, how many people are a part of your board? Right now we have six people. Six people. Mm-hmm. What do you, what have you found most challenging about starting a nonprofit? Um, well, for me, I guess it's kind of different than if you were start, starting a nonprofit if you were older. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm really challenging. I'm being challenged in balancing everything with my own high school rodeo career, um, my senior year, and the nonprofit, and balancing family time and friend time and everything like that. I think balancing is the hardest part, but. Everything else with a nonprofit, I'm so blessed to have the people that I have helping me because they are seriously making this ride really smooth for me. And I feel like if I didn't have them, it'd be kind of rocky and really difficult. But I'm so thankful to have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk. I'll tell you about. I I recently am forming a a nonprofit myself. It's uh, for my local community. I I'm an avid mountain biker as well as riding horse. And so I've traveled, I've traveled around to many places. Arizona's, I've talked about many times on this show. I went down to just east of Phoenix is a little town called Apache Junction. And they have trails out in the desert that I stayed at the stables filled with retired cowboys and cowgirls throughout the whole winter a couple years ago. And I could literally ride from the stables out the street and hit the desert and have hundreds of thousands of miles where I could ride without seeing anyone on these trails and anything. You know, it was just out in the desert. And I would ride my bike. I would get up, you know, ride my horse, and then I'd go ride my bike. And uh, to me, rodeo... It's not just about the horse, it's about my body as well. I, if, I'm, exactly. if I'm asking this much from my horse, then I'm going to ask this much for myself as well. Exactly. Uh, make it fair and show, try to show the horse that I'm working too. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not just going to ride. I'm going to do a lot of groundwork to develop that, that relationship with my horse. But my nonprofit is uh, I'm developing this mountain bike association, and I found that with each day, I started this probably about five months ago, and with each passing day, I get more and more excited about the possibilities that there are for it. Exactly. How, how do you find, what? how excited are you with each passing day with Dare to Be a Cowboy? Well, see, we, you know, we, when we first started this, we thought, okay, we're going to take it slow because we want to make sure that our feet are on the ground before we try to take it nationwide and stuff like that. But um, as soon as, pretty much as soon as we launched the Facebook page, it just shot nationwide. And we just got calls and emails and just 
all kinds of stuff from people wanting to interview us and everything like that. And so basically, we weren't necessarily ready to go for it to go so far out in the country, but we were so excited about it because, like, we didn't really think that there was going to be so much interest in it. And I think that's the most exciting part for me is how interested everybody is in it and how much they like the idea and how much everyone's willing to help and to spread the word and stuff. So with each passing day, you know, hearing from the different people and the new people, you know, wanting to be a part of it. I mean, that's amazing to me that they just, you know, want to be, you know, want to help out with it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's truly inspiring. And for me, I think about all the ways that I've tried to help the sport with, uh, I do YouTube videos and then I have this podcast and I try to stick to the positives and show people what there is to learn. And mm. it's, it's inspiring, you know, just each day you have something new to learn. Mm. And I mean, especially with a horse, you have a thousand pound animal that's exactly. a constant reminder or, or humbling experience will, waiting to happen. And so that's uh, it's very neat. So what do you have in the future with Dare to Be a Cowboy? What, what are your next steps? Well, we're really looking towards 2015, mm-hmm. and we're planning on putting on a lot of clinics, um, free clinics to help out kids that wouldn't necessarily have the financial means to pay for lessons. So we're going to put on, we're planning on putting on like a rough stock clinic, uh, goat tying clinic, barrel racing clinic, and either do all those together or separated. But we're really looking towards the clinic. This is going to be like the clinic year 2015. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be a good way to help out the kids because, like I said, there, it's really hard to find, you know, good coaches and lessons and stuff like that. So um, we're going to do it open to the public where, you know, if you wanted to pay your way into it and then all the money's all the money would go to Dare to be a Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you send in the application, um, we'll invite you to the clinic to be a part of it and mm-hmm. uh, get lessons that way. We're also looking at being vendors at various events. You know, we haven't necessarily contacted the events or anything like that, but that's kind of what we're looking towards doing is, you know, going out there and personally talking to everybody. Yeah. at the rodeos and stuff like that and getting our getting our name out there. Nice. And so this year being the year of the vendor or not vendor, sorry, excuse <laughs> me. The year of the the clinic, what sort of coaches have have you got lined up? Have you with uh, this going sort of viral as you you were explaining when you launched it, have have any big name coaches reached out to and uh, volunteered their efforts? Yeah, well, we just actually became partners with Dakota Ship. He's a professional team rubber, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to be a spokesperson for us. And he also um, said that he's willing to mentor people in the rodeo world, mostly team roping. Um, so that was really awesome. And we're definitely looking for people away from Nevada. Um, because we have people contacting us from Virginia and we want to, you know, we want to have a trainer in Virginia that we can get them together and so that they could, you know, have lessons together. So that's what we're looking for right now, as well as donations. We're looking for trainers from Mm -hmm. around the country. 
Um, so if you do, if anybody listening thinks that um, they would be a good trainer for Dare to Be a Cowboy, please contact us. Um, our email is daretobeacowboy at gmail.com. That's really, we're definitely looking for you. Mm-hmm. And so like that, those people in Virginia who are needing, who are wanting that training. So you would send like a satellite uh, of Dare to Be a Cowboy to that area for to give people an opportunity to learn and go through the clinic and everything like that, right? Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're looking for trainers, and then eventually we want to be able to contact the kids that are contacting us from far away and say, hey, there's a local rodeo in your town um, next weekend or whatever. Um, it's paid for. Your entry fees are paid for. Go enter. You know, basically mm-hmm. something like that. Or your fuel is paid for to go to this rodeo. So that's kind of what we're looking for. But we also know that practice is like the most important thing in rodeo. So that's why we're trying to contact trainers because we want them to, you know, get involved. And I feel like a lot of the kids that say they want to be a part of rodeo really need to be exposed to it in practice. And so if we have good trainers showing them what rodeo looks like, that'll be really good for the kids too. Mm -hmm. Why is practice the most important thing to rodeo? Well, I've definitely learned this kind of the hard way. Um, honestly, if you don't practice, you're not going to be successful. And that's what I live on now. I know that, um, working hard is the most important thing in rodeo. And, um, my, my coach and one of the dare to be a cowboy trainers always says, Michelle Howard, she always says that she who works the hardest wins. And I think that is so true. And that is what I live by. And that is how I live every single day is I just work harder the thing is, is I go into the rodeos and I have to go into them knowing that I worked harder than pretty much everybody there for me to have the self-confidence to go in there and just, you know, perform at my best. Um, practicing is huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. When you practice so much, does it just come naturally or do you still get the adrenaline rush once you get to the rodeo? Oh gosh, you still get the adrenaline rush. But the thing with practice for me is creating muscle memory and creating habits, especially in my roping and goat tying. Mm -hmm. Um, Just creating that muscle memory is really, really important. And then I have a project colt that I'm working with on the barrels right now. And so I have to ride her every single day. How old is she? She just turned five. Just turned five. Okay. Yeah. And she was a late start, um, but... She's doing really good this year, and we're we're really working hard. And I'm gonna have we're gonna do a trade, and I'm gonna have another project colt this winter, mm-hmm. and we're gonna work with that one. And really excited about that. I think that's important too is getting to know different horses because yeah. no horse is the same. So getting to know different horses and being able to ride different horses is really important. Mm-hmm. And then outside of practice, what's really important is what you were saying earlier. I always say that. If you yourself are not 100%, then you cannot expect your horse to be 100%. So I'm really an advocate about keeping yourself healthy and, you know, working out and stuff. And I'm blessed to have two amazing sponsors, Manning Your Performance um, and then Lauren Neal. Um, this is my personal trainer. And I think it's hugely important to be able to, you know, you need to be with your horse and I feel like a lot of people just expect their horse to do all the work, but you really need to, you know, have your say in it too and have your half and do it too. Mm-hmm. It's sad. I, sometimes I go to rope and practice and I'm not going to name any names, but there's some people out there who will just want to jump on and go 
rope 30 calves in a row and right and it's it's really self-defeating i mean the goal is to get your horse to be 100 percent by the time of the rodeo exactly and uh you're not you're not holding him back in the box he's not you know you want him to just be smooth not jump up no rares like you right downers. exactly so you gotta you gotta do that uh oh loss of words what is it when you just when you just hold him back in the box i can't even think of it scoring him scoring him there you go here i am the <laughs> podcast cowboy and i can't even think of scoring <laughs> losing street cred on my Sorry. show <laughs> No, I think that's really important, too. I think keeping your horse sound is really important because they are performance horses. Mm-hmm. You know, they are athletes in their own right as well as us. Mm-hmm. And so we have to treat it like that. I feel like a lot of people, when they think of rodeo, they think that you know, we're not doing any work and our horses are doing all the work. But I honestly think it's pretty 50-50 if you want to be the best. Yeah, I think the best are... The riders are athletes, and the horses are athletes, and they're both at their top, and that's when you're going to win, I think. What are your thoughts on nutrition? I think it's, I always tell my dad this, it's 80% diet, 20% exercise. And so nutrition is really, really, really important, I think. Um, So we have my personal trainer, Lauren Neal, sets up a diet plan for me, and um I, I go by that every single day, but I think it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, nutrition. I, I I talk about it all the time on my show. I've had a nutritionist on the show talk about it, and uh, putting in those right those right nutrients into your body so it can perform optimally. Plus, not just your body, but your mind as well. Exactly. You're feeding both your mind and body with what you put into your body, and. Uh, water your brain is like a sponge especially for people in rodeo Mm because it's hot all the time and i can't say every rodeo is hot but usually you know you're on the summer on the summer rodeos and stuff it's really really hot people need to be drinking way more water than they are yeah yeah me i go to the rodeos i'm just sweat pouring by the time my events comes up because i like to get warmed up i'll do push-ups i do squats or whatever before i even go because i'm a calf roper and uh yeah, water, nutrition. I'll even I have a camper and I'll bring my blender with me because I make a green shake in the morning. Right. So if I wake right. up in the morning, I have my nutrition. I have my. I don't have to go to the, the cowboy breakfast over there with the exactly. greasy sausage and everything. I always bring um, I always bring rice cakes to rodeos. I don't know. That's my go-to thing. Rice and- cakes. Yes, because you can make pretty much anything out of them. Like, you can make a lunch sandwich, or you can make, like, a hot dinner with the rice cakes, or you can make a really good breakfast with them. That's what um, I always bring those okay. rodeos. <laughs> I hope you're putting uh, some protein in between the... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You can, I'm just eating them by himself. That's like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Well, good. Um, yeah, and then uh, we talked about uh, the horse performing optimally. How do, do you... Uh, do you, what do you do with your horse before you enter the arena and start participating? Um, well, it depends on which horse I have. Um, with my colt, I really, really try hard at keeping her mind really sound. Mm-hmm. Because especially with barrel racing horses, I know that something 
just one little thing can really click her mind to making her crazy. And so I really like when I'm warming up, I keep everything just slow and sound and just making sure that she's listening to me and everything that I'm asking her to do. And then when I'm in the arena, I'm, or when I'm walking into the arena, I make sure that she's walking and that she's looking at the barrels and she's not looking at everything else. Um, I think walking in the arena is huge. I don't, really like when people are, you know, in the warm-up arena and run from the warm-up arena into the arena. Mm. I think that isn't good for your horses, and that can cause some bad problems. And especially when I'm starting something, I really need to make sure that everything is right right now. Mm-hmm. And so with her, that's what I do. With my breakaway horse, she's kind of the opposite. Um, this isn't the one that reared up on me. We got um, a different breakaway horse, but mm. she's um, she's a little bit older. She's 16 years old, but she acts super young, and she has so much energy. So I, with her, I really make sure I'm giving her a really, really good warm-up and constantly just loping and loping and loping. And she doesn't get tired, which is kind of a problem. But How old did you say she was? She's 16. Okay. Yeah, she has a lot of energy, but she... She's funny, though, because when we're outside of the arena, she's super hyper all the time, and mm. she just is really jumpy. And then as soon as we're in the box and we're she's looking at her calf, she is, like, dead still. And you can't, you can't move her at all. And it's kind of cool because as soon as she's in the arena, basically she does her job. And that's she knows it's just something in her mind clicks when we're outside of the arena until we are in the box. Just something clicks like, okay, got to do my job now, you know. She's a so, professional but, now. Yeah, exactly. And then with my goat horse, um, he's kind of like the fine medium. He's really nice to ride. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just have to warm him up just a few times. And then, like I said, walk him in. Because especially with goat tying horses, too, they can get a little crazy. Because all they have to do is run straight. And they like running. Yeah, all it is is sprinting. And he he likes running. (laughs) So... I have to, like, the scoring thing, we do that a lot with goats, too, is, mm-hmm. you know, we'll make a few runs, and then we'll walk a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll walk down to the goat. So that's really important, too, I think, with uh, goat-tying horses, keeping them sound. All of it is just keeping my horses sound because, you know, there can be some things that you can get in some dangerous situations pretty quickly mm-hmm. if your horse isn't. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, this time of year, fall, this is the this is the greatest time of the year to start messing with your horse mm-hmm. because you got all winter long, spring, yeah. and then the rodeo doesn't begin until uh, late spring. Well, right. I guess for you, you're rodeoing in the fall. You're doing uh, high school rodeo. But mm-hmm. this is a great time of the year just to develop that relationship with your horse because you want him to be be with you the whole whole year and you're this is the time where you're setting goals for the next year and uh... exactly this is the time last year that I got my colt because I knew that I had we and high school rodeo well this next weekend is going to be the last one for this winter and Mm -hmm. then we started at the very end of February so we have like three months or so to um really work with your horses and like for my goat tying horse he's 14 or 15 he's 15 Mm -hmm. and so I kind of give him a little bit of a break but um because I think that's needed he's been rodeoing all year nonstop. we've literally had rodeos every weekend or every other weekend Mm -hmm. this whole entire year um but so for him I give him a break and for my Cole I give her a little bit of a break too but she doesn't necessarily need it so I really go back to the basics with Mm -hmm. her I don't 
um, she knows the pattern, so I don't need to show it to her anymore. You know, I don't need to be on the barrels all the time. So especially in the winter, I overemphasize just respecting me and, you know, go back down to the snaffle and just get her really working. And that's why I'm going to get this project horse too, Mm -hmm. because now I have some time to, you know, work with her. So what you have time. Yeah, no, not really. But (laughs) as much time as I, I guess, I can get I use definitely on the horses yeah that's a great idea you know to have that project horse because now you're read you're you have to you don't have the horses that have done it a million times right uh they can have their break and now you can reteach yourself learn something new from a younger horse and it's uh to me the groundwork is just it's undeniable developing that for developing that relationship i do just a lot of jogging walking Mm -hmm. hill climbing just walking beside my horse starting and stopping making him pay attention to me making him stop whenever i stop without him walking over me or anything keeping respect yes for sure and uh yeah this is that time of year uh so Annabeth, what was uh, the email that people can go to if they want to get involved with Dare to Be a Cowboy? It's dare to be a cowboy at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Dare to be a cowboy at gmail.com. And for people who want to help out uh, sponsor your organization, what, it's, what is a good way for them to get started? For th- for us to sponsor them? No, for them to sponsor you. Um. Well, you can go to our website and check us out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's www.daretobeacowboy.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out. And then there's also a contact us form on there, and it'll just go straight to our email. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a phone number on there that you can call us on there, too. But we have all the information, and we have a blog on the website where you can, you know, check back and we we constantly put updates of new stories of kids that we've helped out and stuff like that so that's pretty cool to look at um and like i said just contact us there's the email that i just said to you or the like i said the contact us form you can put it on there awesome well i would really like to uh talk to you again in the future to see how how uh dare to be a cowboy has grown and uh see what sort of new and exciting things you will have in the future the year of the clinic next year mm-hmm. coming to the town fun. area <laughs> thank you mm-hmm. uh thanks a lot for your time it was, it's been fun talking to you and uh good luck with your final rodeo and thank your you. project tours and everything else dare to be a cowboy dare to be a cowboy at gmail.com and uh, website again was dare to be a cowboy.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And Facebook page. She has we have big... an Instagram too. Oh, yeah. And a Twitter. <laughs> we have everything. What's your favorite? Um, I think the Facebook page. That's mm-hmm. kind of where we have the bigger audience. We have over 3000 fans on Facebook and it's, uh, it's fun to give updates to everybody and get their feedback. The Instagram is fun too, just cause I like taking pictures and I like sharing them with everybody. So very cool. Um, you you posted a good one on your Facebook page, where it's like this little kid, kind of roly poly like, and 
he has a pig and string and he's saying, I'm ready for my very first cowboy lesson. He was the cutest kid that we've ever sponsored. He is so adorable. Um, that was his first lesson ever. And, uh, his, his name is Samuel and, uh, we took him out to Fallon or he went out to Fallon to get his first lesson. And I wasn't there for the first one, but I'm definitely going to be there on the next one. But I heard he was just adorable and he was just happy <laughs> the whole time. And he learned how to rope a little bit and he learned goat undecorating mm. and he just had a blast. That's awesome. That is terrific. Um, and you have videos. You got a YouTube channel. What, what's yes. been sort of the hardest uh, social media aspect that you've been encountering? I think keeping up with all of it. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, I'm lucky to have six other people with me because they, you know, remind me that I need to reply to something like this or, you know, I, my... Um, other board members usually will reply to the emails and stuff and I, mm-hmm. that's really helpful but you know keeping up with everything making sure that I'm updating on Instagram updating on Facebook updating on Twitter and updating on the website and making new blogs and stuff like that that's kind of been the hardest part about the social media um, just keeping up with it but we've done a good job I think um, and we have different people assigned to the different social media mm-hmm. sites so that's good too to keep up with it well wow. well and Beth, you are making dreams come true, and you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you so much. I and really appreciate it. I hope uh, continued success, and uh, we'll catch up at another time. Thank you. I'll definitely keep you updated. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your time today. Thank you. And I appreciate you, the listener, tuning in to another special podcast cowboy episode. This is episode number 44. Brought to you by Amazon.com. Be sure to go through PodcastCowboy.com, hit the banner link, and do all your Christmas shopping from there. And once again, as always, it's been a pleasure. And happy trails. Go enjoy this day. And happy trails. Did I say happy trails twice? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes it three times. All right, enjoy (laughs) your day, folks. (laughs) I'm sorry.